with me? Father, thank you so very much for the opportunity to be in your house today. Be back, Father, with our family and friends. Uh, Thank you so much for that. And God, I am asking um, for the Holy Spirit to speak to our hearts today as we talk about this wonderfully important topic with this with this wonderful scripture um, that Peter in of it. So I'm going to pray, God, what happened. All right, well, good morning. Oh, come on, you knew better than that. Good morning. We are so glad to be back with you. Thank you for letting us get away for a week of vacation. We had a wonderful time. And you may wonder today and say, so what exactly do preachers do on vacation? Okay. Well, a lot of times, you know, we'll go to a place like Panama City Beach with the family and spend the week there. But last year for our 40th wedding anniversary, we did what we called the Great Adventure. And uh, we went on a train from Chicago to Sacramento. And then we spent some time on the Oregon coast and I'm sorry, the, the California coast, then flew back home. We liked it so much, we decided we would do it again this year. So we had the great adventure too. Now, you got to understand, we like to travel before I tell you what we did. Um, some of y'all guys say, no, that's not for me. But, but last week, we, we took a train, we took a plane, and we drove a total of 5,752 miles. Yeah, hello. I saw that number, Brent, went, what? 5,752. That includes 2,521 miles on the train, 2,409 miles on the airplane, and I drove 822 miles. Now, and you go, well, what all did you do? Oh, let me just tell you what we did real quick. This is not, let me show slides of my, my, my vacation. There's a reason. So, so we got on the train. Well, first off, we left obviously from Carbondale, ended up Chicago at different times, but we got there and we went from Chicago to, to Seattle. It's going up through Minneapolis, St. Paul, and I think Des Moines are somewhere up there. I don't even know. I know Friday night we stopped at this little town in the middle of nowhere and they were shooting off fireworks for Memorial Day. It was just so cool. Judy didn't get off the train. I did. Did some walking up and down. Had about a 20-minute stop there. And then the next morning, we had a little sleeper car. And so the next morning, we woke up. And we woke up at about 8.30. And uh, we arrived in Minot, North Dakota. And that means nothing to no one except me. And that's because when I was 18 years old, that's where the Air Force sent me. They got mad at me and sent me to Minot, North Dakota. And if anybody says, why not Minot? Freezing's the reason, okay? That's, you heard it here first, all right? And that morning, though, it was beautiful. And Gina, I walked around a little bit about Minot. Didn't have a long time. Got back on the train and drove across at Montana. Ended up in Glacier National Park, driving through that and saw those mountains. Went to sleep again. Woke up and, and were just in the Cascade Mountains. And they were more beautiful than even Glacier National Park. And then we drove on into Seattle. We stayed there a couple of nights, a day and a half. And, and the heartbreaking thing was the homeless people. Um, I walked every day, walked four and five miles a day around the city and um, just saw a lot of homeless folks, but also saw some incredible, beautiful scenery. We got in the car and we started driving down through Oregon. Anybody been to Oregon before? Yeah, ain't it beautiful? I mean, it's really just incredible. The greenery is just incredible. The Oregon coast was just incredible. The beach we stayed on, um, so different from anything we stayed on before. It was just incredible. 
drove on down, uh, ended up staying in, in the hot part of California at, at a vineyard and uh, spent the night there and got up and then we drove on to Sacramento and then flew home yesterday. Got home about, about 8.30 last night. We landed in Evansville. So it was just a wonderful thing. And so we didn't have one destination. We had a lot of destinations. But here's, in fact, Bill Browning asked me, he goes, well, I bet you still wish you were there. And I missed what he meant by the question. He saw the pictures on Facebook of the coast and all that. And I said, yeah. But I said, oh, no, no, you're talking about there. He goes, yeah. I said, no, 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 no. I'm glad to be home. It's great to go, but it's great to come home. Because here's the deal. The ultimate destination for us was home. We didn't go on vacation forever. I wouldn't want to be on vacation forever. So we had lots of destinations, but ultimately my goal was to be home. And as the, as the week progressed, I'm a creature of habit, and as the week progressed, I was looking more and more forward coming home. Uh, I looked forward. Yesterday I spent a lot of the flying, uh, flying time studying for the sermon, studied some last night, studied some this morning, getting the sermon, because I was going to get to preach the Word of God to my favorite people in the world, and that's my church family. So there was home. Amen. You guys are. I want you to know that you are. And so it's just good to be home. The ultimate destination was home. And I'll tell you this. The more we got into the trip, the first part, yeah, I was looking forward to seeing Seattle and all those different places. But as we made that turn south and started heading towards Sacramento, the airport, more and more I longed for home. And, you know, that's really how life is. If you think about it, you know, when we're young, um, eternity, and by that I really mean kind of heaven, you know, it's out there. I mean, it's, but it's really out there. We don't think a lot about heaven. We don't think a lot about eternity. But as you get older and senior adults, and don't forget, please, that I am one. Um, as we, as we journey, and by the way, I reminded Brent, he, he leaned over. Did you see him come over? He said, I resisted the urge to get you on senior adult day. I put my arms around and said, brother, I think you already got your letter from AARP. <laughs> So, so, you know, so, so as we get a little bit older, all of a sudden we start focusing more and more on home and home being eternity and heaven. And here's what I need to tell you today right off the bat is that when we start thinking more and more about heaven, it should not be something that we take lightly. If there's ever a time for us to be more serious and more committed about our faith, it's in these years. If you're a senior adult, probably 50 on, if you're in those, these are not the times to sit back and relax and do your thing. It's the time to be most serious about going home because these are the most valuable days of your life and your influence with people. You know, just like we measured our, our um, trip in miles, again, 5,000 and something, you know, we measure our life in days. And, you know, we often, when we think about legacy, we think about it being something we'll think about later on. It's like retirement. You know, isn't it funny? You're 25 years old, and you don't think about retirement, and so you spend the money, and all of a sudden you find yourself 45 years old with no retirement, and you're going, oh, no, and you try to start then, and you discover the, the wonders of compound interest doesn't work because there's not enough time. Well, you know, so it is with life. We think about legacy. We'll think, well, I'll worry about my legacy. I'll worry about my story when I get a little bit older. But right now, I'm young, and there's not a lot going on in my life anyway. Well, if you're here today, and you're 16 years old, I'm sure there's some... So imagine if you're around 16 years old, and I'm sure there's a couple, one or two, three of you out here, um, already, already you've lived 
5,840 days. Think about that. You're just 16 years old. But already almost 6,000 days. You've seen the sun rise 6,000 times in your 16 years. It's time to start thinking about your legacy. If you're 25 years old, and that's time when, when folks are getting like married things and maybe one or two children if God's brought those into your family. But you're further down the road. If you're 25 today, you've lived almost 9,200 days. Almost 10,000 days. And before you know it, you slip around and ta-da, you wake up one day and you're 40. Yeah, guess what? Uh, That would be 14,600 days. It's definitely time to be thinking about your legacy. And then one day you wake up, like I did, and you're 60. And you're going... You start calling the nursing homes and going, can I make my reservation? Yeah, yeah. Well, that would be 21,900 days. And today I did something that I have done 23,161 times. 23,161 times today I woke up. And I am well into my legacy years, as are so many of you. A legacy is your story. And the story doesn't begin, you don't start writing your story when you're 40. You start writing your story way earlier than that. And perhaps when you're 8, 9, 10, 11 years old. Certainly, by the way, by the time you're 16, 17, 18 years old, things and decisions that you make are going to be a part of your story. And the question, of course, is what kind of story do we want written and told about us at the end of our life? So how do you write a good story? How do you have a good legacy? And that's such an important question because when you're gone, and hopefully if we get there, when you're gone, they're going to talk about you. And what do you want folks to say about you when you're gone? So today, in 2 Peter chapter 1, starting in verse number 3, we have this incredible smorgasbord of Scripture that Peter has given us. And guess when he is? Oh, yeah. He's way into his legacy years. In fact, he talks about, hopefully we'll get there, he talks about the end of the Scripture, about the fact that his tent is fixing to be taken down. In other words, he sees in his near future the fact he's going to die. So how do you write a good Legacy. The great answer is, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, God has a hand on it, and he wants to help you. So look with me, please, at 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse number 3. And again, these verses are just pregnant with, with meaning. I mean, everywhere throughout every verse, they're just loaded with meaning. This is one of those scriptures that after I'm done today, you need to mark down, put it on your calendar, reread these scriptures because they are like really, really important. Here's what, let me go and read all of verse 3 and we'll come back and preach through verse 3. Here's what Peter says. His, and his course being God, his divine power, now we'll just listen to this. His divine power has given us everything, has given us everything required for life and godliness through the knowledge of him, Jesus, who called us by his own glory and goodness. 
by his divine power or his divine power. Now, what is that? Well, here's the deal. And you know this, you know this. But when you trusted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, and hopefully you've made that decision, hopefully you've made that decision. But when you trusted Jesus Christ as Savior, God gave you himself. God gave you himself. He took up residence in you in the form of the third person of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit. So every believer in Jesus Christ has the Holy Spirit living within him. And the Holy Spirit is just incredible. You know, Jesus said, and and a lot of the things we're going to talk about, you know, he promised, and he promised this while he was living on earth. And, And here's what he said. You know, I'm going to ask the Father, and he's going to give you another helper. And that word means of the same kind. So he goes, I'm leaving, but I'm asked the Father, and he's going to give you another helper. And the other helper was going to be the Holy Spirit. Now, that's really, you know, probably the best word for the Holy Spirit is comforter and counselor. The word in the Greek, and just to clarify, you know I don't know much Greek. You know, I'm trying to be smart. But the word is parakletos, paraclete. It means one called alongside. Now, what's really important about that is I enjoy the 5,752 miles. I enjoy them because I had a traveling companion. And that traveling companion was someone that I love, who shares a lot of my likes, who shares my dreams with life. And that, of course, is my wife, Judy. So God said... As you write your legacy and as you journey day, but not mile by mile, but day by day, I'm going to give you a traveling companion. And that is the Holy Spirit, one called alongside the paraclete, one who helps. So every believer in Jesus Christ has a helper, a ghost writer, no pun intended, a ghost writer to help write your life story. And that is, of course, the Holy Spirit. And it's really interesting is this, is that a Greek soldier, not a Roman soldier, but a Greek soldier would often go into battle in pairs, in pairs. And so when they were surrounded, they would back up to one another, back to back, so one would have the other's back. Literally, they could say, I've got your back. And guess what they called the other soldier? When you had a pair of soldiers, one who had your back, the paraclete, the one called alongside. So God's given you one called aside, alongside, and this, this paraclete who calls alongside to help you write your story is, is described as his divine power. And what does this person do? What does this, the Holy Spirit do? He gives us everything required for life and godliness. Now, not everything that you want. I mean, I packed a lot of stuff. I had a big old suitcase, and because I went to the pastor's conference, and then I went on vacation uh, together there, you know, I had to take extra shirts and extra pants. But, you know, I didn't pack. I didn't pack my lawnmower because I didn't think I'd be mowing grass. And you know what? I didn't even pack my my television because I figured somewhere along the road, some hotel somewhere is going to have a TV. I didn't pack everything I had. I packed everything that I required. That's what God does to us. He has given us everything. Someone say everything. Everything. You don't, have to, you don't have to figure out and come up with stuff. The Holy Spirit gives you the stuff that is required to live life 
and godliness. Life and godliness. The word life here, it goes back to John 10.10. 10. You know, Jesus said, I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. I have come that you may have what life really is. What life really is. I, I want you to experience that. And, and that's, what, that's what the Holy Spirit does for us. You know, I read that the uh, catechism uh, from, from many, many, many years ago, from centuries ago, that said the chief purpose of man is, is to know God and to enjoy Him forever. The chief purpose of man is, is to know God and enjoy Him forever. So God gives us the Holy Spirit and gives us the opportunity to really live life. I know in America, you know, it's all about cars and houses and stuff and more stuff and more stuff and more stuff. But you know and I know, come on, you've lived long enough. That stuff doesn't satisfy. It does for a little while. But God, through the Holy Spirit, gives us the things that are required to really make life meaningful. And frankly, just like right now to some of you, Faith, I don't suppose you've started planning your retirement, have you? You, 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 know, you probably haven't, you know. Well, first off, you've got to get a job. It starts there, okay. All right. You know, no, no, she hasn't. She's 16 years old. Mackenzie, you're 17. Is that right? Yeah. She, they haven't thought about jobs yet. They haven't thought retirement yet. Well, so often, again, that's how we are with, with God. We don't, we don't think about the things that really matter. We try to make life purposeful with things that can never do that. And God's just waving at us going, hey, listen to the Holy Spirit. I'll give you the things that make life real, that make life purposeful. But then he also says this word godliness. And this is pretty important. The word godliness, godliness there means actions of obedience. Actions of obedience. In other words, that, that we look at God's word as we write our legacy. We look at God's word and we obey the commands. We do the things he tells us to do. And we don't do the things that he says not to do. He gives us that. Now, guess what happens when you put life and godliness together? You get a godly life. And that's the destination as God continues to transform us and sanctify us. He does that, okay, and leads us to a godly life all through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, now I wrestled with something, Brent, because the author of the commentary I was reading um, used the idea of the Holy Spirit assisting. And we like to think the Holy Spirit does it all. But you know what? I wrestled it down and I said, you know what, I like that word assisting. Because a lot of the decisions I make are simply choices I have to make. I've got the power through the Holy Spirit. Okay, I've got the power living in me. But I've got to allow the Holy Spirit to empower me and make the right choices for that to happen. So, so, he, so he comes along and he gives us everything required for life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. That word knowledge is personal knowledge. As, as the more you know Jesus, the more real the Holy Spirit becomes, the more you live a purposeful life, the more you make the right acts of obedience, and the fuller and more complete your life is. And guess what? In the process of doing all that, you write this wonderful story that has a great end at the end. Have you ever read a book before and had a crummy ending? Uh, yeah. Everyone see the movie, and I don't even remember what's by. I probably shouldn't say this because I don't remember what the movie. I try not to watch too many bad movies. Um, but Message in a Bottle. What a stinking bad ending. She dies and he dies. I'm going, well, that was a waste of time. Well, how often in our legacy do we have this really bad ending? Because we don't 
take the time to let the Holy Spirit help us to write our story. And so, so we have this knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. And that's, that's the essence of who Jesus is, his majestic goodness. That's who Christ is. Now, he goes on and says in, in verse number 4, by these, by the majestic goodness of God, by these he has given us very great and precious promises so that through them you may share in the divine nature. Oh, you need to underline that one. If you're, if you're a note taker, write that one down. Through them, he has given us very great. Someone say very great. Very great and precious. You got to say precious. Very great and precious promises. Things like, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Promises like, God is love. And he'll never stop loving us. Promises such as the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And he delights in our path. Promises like trust in the Lord with all your heart. And don't lean into your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him. And he will direct your paths. Someone says there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of promises. Chief among probably was the promise Jesus made in John. When I'm gone, I'm going to send you a comforter. A guide a traveling companion who will help you write this great legacy. So by these, he has given us very great and precious promises so that through them, two things are going to happen. Through them, you may, one, share in the divine nature, two, escaping the corruption that is in the world because of evil desires. The Holy Spirit says this. First off, I'm going to help you share in the divine nature. What does that mean? It means to move closer to God. It, it means, it means to, um, to be more like Christ. It's the process of sanctification. Now, now, when I was saved, I was born into the divine nature of God, but then I began this lifelong journey writing my legacy that I continue in sharing in divine nature. More and more and more, I become like Christ. We'll talk about that in just a moment. And then also, I escape the corruption that's in the world because of evil desires. So I get, I look more and more like Jesus, like God, and I choose less and less of this corrupt, corrupt world. More and more, less and less. Gene and I made these plans back in February on this trip. And we made a decision that in order to go on this trip, we had to leave Harrisburg. I could not stay in Harrisburg and go to Chicago, Seattle, Sacramento, and back home again. I had to choose to leave. And that's, again, what Peter is saying. When we share in the divine nature, we move toward God. And as you move toward God, you move away from the corrupt world. Now, the problem is we're somewhere in the middle. The problem is we have a hard time wrestling. We won't walk that fence And Peter's saying, listen, by the power of the Holy Spirit, if you're going to have a great legacy, you've got to leave the corrupt world and move more and more and more toward God. Does that make sense? Now, now keeping in mind, keeping in mind, you really want a story that has a good end. I mean, let's face it. Barring the rapture, all of us are going to have a legacy service at the end of our lives. Some guy, hopefully you know, some guy's going to stand up and tell your story. And what story do you want told? I love telling the stories. I've had so many, well, not, 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 not a whole lot, but I've had stories 
where they started like when they were 16 again. And they started serving Christ when they were 16. And their whole life was just one page after another, one page after another, one day after another of serving God. That's the kind of story we want to tell. He goes on and he says this in verse number 5. For this very reason, Peter says, because of all of that, because you've got the Holy Spirit, because you're writing a legacy story, because he's given us great promises and we can trust the promises because Jesus made them, because of all that, he said, for this very reason, make every effort. Is that intense? Is that intense? Yeah. Does it mean casually? Does it mean sort of, kind of? No, no. Make every effort to supplement your faith. Now, faith is the salvation experience. So Peter's saying, so you've got the salvation experience, and now here are some characteristics that you want to come into your life. Again, they're already there because of the Holy Spirit, but because you've got to yield to the Holy Spirit, here are some things. He says, we need to add to your faith goodness, which is moral excellence. Listen, character matters. Don't you dare believe Hollywood. Don't you believe often the sports world. Don't you believe your buds in their neighborhood. God says character matters. If you want to have a great legacy, have great moral character. Add to these things. Add to these things uh, goodness. And then, then add, he says, goodness with knowledge. And that's that practical. This is so important. That's that practical knowledge. It's not, it's not reading the Bible and never letting it impact you. It is reading the Bible and letting it get in you and change you. Add to that goodness a kind, that kind of knowledge. And then add to that knowledge self-control. The ability to control those, those cravings and desires that are outside. He says, uh, add to self-control. And that literally means in the Greek, to walk beneath the love. Walk under the load. Pause. Time out. A lot of you have already, well, first off, some of you younger ones have discovered it. But a lot of you my age and up, you have out. Yeah, I thought I am. Are we good now? Good, Okay. Some of you my age and up, you have found out and discovered that your body isn't working as good as it used to. You got pains, your body hurts. I mean, there are joints that don't work well, there are muscles that don't work well, your mind doesn't work well. You've discovered all of that. And and when Peter says that endurance under the load, it's the ability when things aren't going well. When your body hurts, you don't give up. You don't throw in the towel because your body hurts. Now, again, I am a senior adult. I am 63 years old. So as I speak now and speak to my senior adult friends in the audience, I want you to understand something. Broken bodies don't mean quit serving. You've got too much wisdom, too many skills, too much talent, to sit on the sideline. So we've got to be able to endure under the load. Under the load. He goes on and says this. Endurance with godliness. That's that reverence and obedience. Um, 
Godliness with, and the last two are like so Jesus-like. Godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love. The word brotherly affection there is the word Philadelphia. It, it, it's, the ability, it's the ability to help someone carry a load. It's the ability to guard friendships, to guard relationships in the difficult days of carrying that load that I just talked about. Can anyone guess what the word love is? Agape. It's Jesus' love. It's, it's making love for your brothers and sisters, for your family, the number one priority. The highest good is to love someone with agape love. Peter says, Peter says these are things that we should add to our life. Now, now this is fixing to get real critical. Now, now listen, senior adults, this is more applicable perhaps to us than the first part. That first part was for everybody. But this last part may well be more for us. Okay? Here's what he says in verse 8. For if these things, for if these qualities are yours and are increasing, if these qualities are yours, and that means this, that we're allowing the Holy Spirit to work through us because those qualities are in us, but we're yielding to the Holy Spirit, our traveling companion, our guide, our ghost author, and our legacy story. And as we do this, okay, as we do these things, they're ours, but you see what it says? And increasing. And increasing. Now, again, don't know a thing about Greek, but the commentary told me that's the present participle. It means on and on and on and on. I have noticed, and I've, I've read, but I've noticed that there are two things that keep growing on a person's body as they get older, particularly men. Well, actually, now I think about it, that would be nose hair, eyebrow hair, and ear hair. But the two I had in mind originally was your nose. I'm determined this sucker's going to be nine feet long by the time I die. And your ears. Those two things keep growing. Peter is saying, if you have these qualities, this goodness, knowledge, self-control, endurance, godliness, and brotherly affection, if you have these things and they're still growing, don't think because you're 80 years old you're done growing in Jesus. Chronological days do not equate to spiritual. Chronological Chronologically, counting days does not count as spiritual. You need to keep growing. You stop growing in sanctification in Jesus Christ, today your heart stops beating. There is no graduation from the Christian school. You don't finish growing. You don't finish growing. And Peter said it, not me. I mean, I didn't have to fish this one. I mean, that's exactly what he says. If you have these things in your life and they're increasing, now watch, there's a benefit. They will keep you from being useless or unfruitful in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you have these characteristics, let me read them again, goodness, knowledge, self-control, endurance, godliness, and brotherly affection, if you have these and they're increasing, they'll keep you from becoming a person who does nothing and produces nothing. Is that what it says? I think it says that. They will keep you from being useless... 
Have you ever, senior adults talking to you because I are one. Have you ever heard one of your brothers and sisters that are senior adults go, I feel so useless. They don't need me anymore. When I was young, they needed me. They don't need me anymore. Friend, you are hearing a lie from hell. Because Peter says, if these qualities are in us, it'll keep you from feeling useless. And it'll keep you from being unfruitful. We are useful to the kingdom of God till the day God calls us home. We are useful for the kingdom of God till the day God calls us home. And we are to keep right on producing fruit. Some of the best apples I ever came, I ever tasted came from old apple trees, not young ones. The best fruit. So he says, if you have these things, it'll keep you from being useless and unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now watch. Ooh, watch. The person who lacks these things, lacks these qualities, these qualities are not evident in their life. The person who lacks these things is blind, short-sighted, and has forgotten the cleansing from his past sins. If we find ourselves writing the wrong legacy story, if we find ourselves not being productive and not being useful, if we find ourselves, we look and go, well, I'm not, I'm not really a good, goodness person. I'm not a knowledge person. I'm not a self-control person, endurance person, godliness, brother, affection, or love. I'm not those things, okay? Then Peter says there's a spiritual sickness It involves blindness, short-sightedness, and forgetfulness. You know, blindness, someone who's blind cannot see. And when a person is in this situation, they look around, they can't see the blessings of God. They can't see they're still useful. They can't still see that they may only have five years left. But how valuable they are. For those last five years. The person who doesn't have these qualities is short-sighted. Short-sighted means you can't see a distance. You know the great dangers of growing old? We lose sight of heaven. Remember I told you home ought to grow more and more precious. When we feel useless and we're unproductive, no one needs me, we lose sight of heaven. And we start saying... What's the use? What's the purpose? And then we have grace, amnesia. Grace, amnesia. We forget the cleansing from our sins. Senior adult years are dangerous years. David mentioned he's been here 11 and a half years, I think he said. I'm coming up on 17 years, and Brent's been here 647. <laughs> One of the things I think all three of these men would agree with me is we have to constantly fight the urge to just sit back. Just sit back. These are not days to sit back. These are days to get up. These are days to serve. And let me show that to you. If you're a senior adult, let me show that to you in these last verses. We've got about eight minutes left. 
Look what Peter says in verse number 10. Therefore, because of all that, Peter says, Therefore, brothers, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. Now, now he's not saying you need to confirm that because God may have changed your mind. He's saying that because when we have a tendency to forget how much God loves us and how much he did for us. So we start thinking that junk. We start believing that junk. Our brain turns into actions if we're not careful. So be constantly reaffirming. And you, by the way, if, if that's true, if, you got, if, you'll, if you'll make a point like the Holy Spirit, you'll be your life companion, be your guide, be your ghost author, if, if you'll let Him empower you, if you'll have goodness and love and brotherly kindness and all those things, you won't doubt your salvation. But when you start living like a lost person, and by the way, I'm not talking about drinking and drugs and sex. I'm talking about bitterness and anger and all those things. You may start thinking you're lost. And you don't want to be getting near your departure time wondering if you're saved or not. And I will say this too, just in case, eternity's a long time to be wrong. So he says, therefore, brothers, make every effort to confirm your calling and election because if you do these things, you'll never stumble. You won't doubt. If you, let, if you let the Holy Spirit get a hold of you and control you and fill you and anoint you, okay, you won't stumble. You won't stumble. When we refuse the working of the Holy Spirit, it's when we get, when we get in deep weeds. It goes on and says, verse 11, For in this way... Entry into the eternal kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ will be richly supplied to you. Can I read that again? That's just too good. For in this way, goodness, mercy, guide. In this way, entry into the eternal kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ, Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, will be richly supplied to you. In other words... You get there, and there's that well done, good, and faithful servant. And you get there, and there's a grand homecoming. I'm not big on preacher stories. I don't mind. I like good illustrations as long as I know they're, they're real. I don't know if this is real or not. But it stirred my heart probably 25 years ago when I heard it, and I've never forgot it. It tells the story, and it probably, Joe, it's probably a story of a missionary who faithfully served his Lord for 40 years on the mission field. And due to health, it was finally time to come home. So he and his wife boarded this ship. This is before airplanes, boarded the ship and made the journey toward America. And he said to his wife in one of those weaker moments, I wonder if they'll be there to greet us. And as they pulled into the harbor, sure enough, there were the banners. There was a band playing and exceeded every expectation that he had. He just couldn't believe it. And as he made his way down toward the dock to get off of, to disembark the ship, 
he was held up as a young movie star was escorted off the boat. And the band and the banners and the crowd was not for him. He was heartbroken. Heartbroken. And then something spoke into his heart. And what I'm fixing to say, don't forget this. And then something spoke into his heart. And it said, Son, you're not home yet. You're not home yet. So as you're as your senior adult friends and as your young adult friends and as your median adult friends seem to, to just prosper and explode in and, and all the things of the world, don't forget something. You're not home yet. There is a reward richly prepared for you. And, and guys, I know if you're 16, it doesn't mean much. I know if you're 25, it may not mean much. But take it from a guy who's 25,000 days into his journey Heaven's getting sweeter by the day. And these guys will tell you that who have a lot more years than me. But it happens when we write the legacy story, Brent. When the Holy Spirit, our ghostwriter, helps us write that story. Don't forget this, too. The launch, I'll explain in a minute. The launch is indicative of the homecoming. I told you earlier. There's a legacy service in our future. You won't be there. The body you used probably will, or the ashes. And they're going to talk about you. And they're going to tell your story. And you've got to ask yourself the question, what story do you want told? And the story is going to be determined by the days. And the days are determined by the actions. And the actions, if you're wise, are determined by the empowerment of the Holy Spirit and our surrender to Him. What story do we want told? He goes on and says this. For in this way, entry into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will be richly supplied to you. Therefore, and this is probably the best tie-in with Jeremy's sermon last week in Ephesians chapter 5 verse 16, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, and senior adults, this is us. This is us. You're probably saying, Dwayne, I can't work with two years olds anymore. What am I supposed to do? Therefore, Peter speaking in his later years. Therefore, I will always remind you about these things. Even though you know them and are established in the truth you have. I consider it right as long as I am in this bodily tent to wake you up with a reminder. Knowing that I will soon lay aside my tent as our Lord Jesus Christ has also shown me. What do we do, senior adults? We mentor. Our brother, worship leader, Dave, said it eloquently earlier on in this service. I know you think 40-year-old people and 30-year-old people 
don't listen to you and don't watch. They may say that, but they do listen and they are watching. And the best thing we can do is, how do you say it? I consider it right as long as I'm in this body to wake you up with a reminder, knowing that I will soon lay aside my tent as our Lord Jesus Christ has shown me. Wake them up with a reminder. How are they going to learn to walk with Christ if we don't show them? And for those of you who are 25, how are the 15-year-olds going to know unless you don't show them? Those who are 40, how are the 25-year-olds going to know? Those who are 40 or 60, how are the 40-year-olds going to know? And those of you who are 75, how are we young whippersnapper 63-year-olds going to know unless you show us, unless you teach us? And this last verse is just, it's just incredible. And I will also make every effort. I will Three times he said this, make every effort, make this every effort. I will make every effort that you may be able to recall these things. When? When? At any time after my departure. After my departure. I've spoken often of of some men that have poured into my life. I'm not sure... To be honest, I've said these words, but I thought, I wonder what Ben would do. I wonder what Doug would do. And you've got people in your life that as you look back, I wonder what mom would do. I wonder what grandpa would do. I wonder what mama would do. Our goal is to live our lives in such a way, to write a legacy in such a way that people think about us after we're gone, not with harsh memories, but with precious memories. In case you need one more word of encouragement, let me say this. In today's culture, it's more needed than ever. I still look back and see that guy in that burgundy brown coat and I read that book that, that Terry Guest loaned in Killing Japan, Killing the Rising Sun by Bill O'Reilly, History of World War II. And that man was on the battleship Missouri when they signed the Declaration Papers of Surrender with Japan. That greatest generation is so valuable, and yet they're slipping away from us. We're the next greatest generation. What legacy are we going to teach the younger generation? Would you bow your heads, please, and and pray with me? So the bottom line is this. We're all writing a story. Some of us are only 5,000 pages in. Some are 25, 30, or 40. But we're all writing a story. And every page matters. Every page page matters. If we're Christian today, if we've been born again, we have a great ghostwriter, and that is Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit. He is there to help us, to strengthen us, and encourage us. And today, 
if you're journeying and you've never made that all-important decision to trust Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, oh, today could be that day. My friend Brent's going to be standing out front, and we call this the decision time. And maybe you're saying, if nothing else, you're going, you know, I've never heard this before about this legacy thing. I want to write a good story. Can Jesus help me? And the answer's yes. The answer's yes, he can. Come see Brent during our time of invitation. Say, Brent, I want to know more about knowing Jesus Christ as Savior. And the good news is, I know I'm over time, forgive me, but you need to know this. Dwayne, I'm 60 and I have blown it. Is it too late? His grace is sufficient for you. You can't undo the 10, the 20 years. You can't undo breaking your kids' hearts. You can't undo breaking your wife's heart. But you can start today writing that legacy. You can start that today. When the Bible says a day is a thousand years and a thousand years is a day, that means one day can be a thousand years in God's sight. And that's plenty of time to make a difference. Amen? Thanks, God. Thanks for allowing me to share these truths today. Help us, oh, Holy Spirit. Help us. Help us as we write this legacy story. From the younger ones here today, who are old enough to understand some of the truth we've heard, to the very oldest, help us as we write our stories. And Jesus, I pray this in your precious name.